Welcome back for what is the fifth and final message in our series, Identity Crises. Let me tell you where we're going after that. The very next weekend is Labor Day weekend. And all that weekend, I'm going to talk to you about the condition of our heart. It's a message right out of the Bible that I believe is going to challenge us and inspire us to greatness. I really do believe that. And then the week after that, uh, September 13th, I guess it would be then, we're going to start a brand new series. And uh, I'll tell you more about that next weekend. But can you believe that we're this close to September? It is hard to believe. Let's continue praying. We know that our nation has a lot of different challenges, but we know that God is the solution uh, to the problems that we encounter, the problems nationally, internationally, and in our own lives personally, family, business, whatever it is. Now, as we began this talk today, again, it's the fifth and final one in this series, I want you to use your imagination. Some of you are really good at using your imagination. You've got a great imagination, a vivid imagination, and so I want to encourage you to use it as we think this way. So here's our imagination. Here's how it comes into play. Insert yourself into this situation. Let's say, for example, we have a microphone, we've got a camera maybe even, but we most definitely have a question that we're going to ask. Not multiple questions, just one. And we're going to hit the streets with this one question. And again, you're a part of the process. And the question is, we just randomly find people is this, what is a Christian? That's the question. What is a Christian? And we're just running into all kinds of different people, again, using our imagination. And we just stop them and, hey, could you give me a moment? And, and then they're like, yes. All right, let me ask you a question. What is a Christian? And then you wait to listen for their response. And as you can only imagine, there would be a myriad of responses. In fact, can you imagine what the responses would be? I think as we came in contact with a lot of different people, we'd hear something like this. And you could add to this list if you'd like. But I think we would hear somebody along the line say, well, you know, a Christian is somebody that's been transformed somebody that their life has been radically altered by Jesus. And they may uh, speak in regards to their own life or somebody that they know, and they may even say, hey, this is what they were like before they became a Christian. This is how they found Jesus as the Savior of their life, and this is what their life has been like since. And they would describe a life that has been transformed. What is a Christian? Somebody that has been transformed. Well, maybe shortly thereafter, we would run into somebody asking them the same question. Microphone, what is a Christian? Maybe we would hear them say, well, a Christian for me is somebody that is out of touch, somebody that's weak, somebody that needs maybe some sort of emotional crutch to lean on. We might would hear that in our questions being asked. We'd run into somebody else that maybe they would say something like this, a Christian, what is a Christian? Oh, well, a Christian is somebody, I think, that is authentic, and they're loving, and they're generous, and they're compassionate. That, that's what a Christian is to me. We keep asking the question. Maybe uh, soon thereafter, somebody say, a Christian, and maybe they have a negative uh, image of what a Christian or Christians are, and they'd say, oh, I'll tell you what a Christian is. I've known people who have said they're Christians, and for me, a Christian is somebody that's hypocritical, somebody that's harsh somebody that's self-absorbed, somebody that's judgmental. And obviously, if we went out, we hit the streets with a mic, with a question, with a camera, we would get a lot of different responses, those and a lot more. Obviously, the responses would be all over the board, depending on who you talk to, 
uh, depending on what their perception of Christians are, what Christianity is, and possibly even influenced by somebody that they know. What is the question? What is a Christian? What do you think about when you hear that, that question? What is a Christian? Ironically, and I'm so excited to get into this with you today. Ironically, Jesus never invited people to become Christians. It sounds shocking, doesn't it? Jesus never invited people to become Christians. Now, there's nothing wrong with the term Christian. Obviously, we all use it. We all use it a lot. I use it a ton. There's nothing wrong with the word Christian. But we need to understand where the the title originated from. And a lot of times we may think, well, Jesus started it. Well, Jesus didn't really start it. It was actually used, that term, Christians, to poke fun at those who were followers of Jesus. It, It would be like this. Hey, hey, you Christians, you Christians, you you little Christ, you mini-me's. It would be used in that context. So the phrase, the word Christians was not actually initiated by Jesus. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to take a look at the screen, at the language that Jesus used. As you can see, it's out of Matthew chapter 9. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named, you see his name, Matthew, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Jesus said, look at the phrase. This is the language he used. Follow me, Jesus invited Matthew to do, and be my disciple. That's the term that Jesus used. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said this to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew, I want you to follow me. I want you to get up out of your tax collector's booth, and I want you to follow me because I want you to be my disciple. I want you to notice, as you reflect on that verse for just a moment out of Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, I want you to notice what Jesus said, what he did say, and what he did not say. Now, this Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, Matthew, here's what I want you to do. I want you to simply believe what I believe. That's it. You don't have to have any kind of heart change. Just keep being who you are. Keep doing what you've done. I just want you to believe what I believe. That's what it means. That's all I'm calling you to do. That is not what Jesus said. Jesus did not say, did not say, Matthew, let me just do this. I want to give to you a set of rules. And I want you to follow these rules, these regulations. I want you to adhere to these rules. And that's all that it means, Matthew, to be a Christian. Jesus did not say that either. Instead, listen again. You saw it, but I want you to hear it again. This is what Jesus did say. He said, follow me. Follow me and be my disciple. Follow me and be my disciple. And when Jesus used that kind of language, let me just say this to you, it was very deliberate language. In the Greek, this word disciple actually means this. Are you ready? It means a student. It means a learner. It means a pupil. It means somebody that is following Jesus and learning from Jesus. And Jesus was saying to them, All that time ago, 2,000 years ago, the same thing that he's saying to you and to me today, and that it is this. Jesus was saying to them, 
here's what I want you to do. Matthew and many others that he called to follow him, to be his disciples. I want you to live like I live. I want you to do what you see me doing. And I want you to love the way that you see me loving others. Let me say that again, because that's exactly what Jesus is calling you and I to do today. That is not changed in hundreds and hundreds of years um, throughout history. Jesus is saying, follow me, be my disciple, live like I live, do what I did, love like I love. And when you and I, and we've been talking about this throughout this series, when you and I know who we are, then we will know what to do. If we know who we are, we will know what to do. Who are we? And it's what we're talking about today. And I'm so glad you're a part of this. We are his disciples. We are his disciples. In this day, in this hour, in this span of time, it's exactly what Jesus is calling you and I to do. To live the way that Jesus lived his life. To do the things that Jesus went about doing and to love in a way that Jesus loved. Obviously, he was perfect in all of these we can't be perfect in them, but you and I can give to Jesus our very, very best. And I want to talk about in the next few moments a couple of ideas surrounding this matter of being his disciple. What does that mean to you and to me today? And just want to be real practical. Maybe you want to write this down somewhere. What does it mean to you and me today? First of all, as his disciples, we're going to do this. We're going to find a need and we're going to meet that need. Let me say it again. I want us to be clear. As his disciples, we're his students, we're his pupils, we're his learners. We do what Jesus did. We live like Jesus lived. We love like Jesus loved. And here's what we do. We find a need, and we meet that need. And Jesus gives to us a great example of that in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to go to a couple of verses here in just a moment. But to set it up, I want you to remember the story. Some of you have read it many times. Some of you have not yet read it. I would encourage you right after this service to go and read. Luke chapter 10 is a story about a guy that is traveling. And in his travels, he's walking down this road. And out of nowhere, um, he is attacked. He is beaten. He is robbed. And he's left for dead. He's beaten without mercy. He's robbed of what he had. He's left to die. And Jesus in this account, this story, talks about three different people that walks by. Jesus said, as this guy's laying there, left for dead, having been beaten and robbed, first person to come in close proximity to him is a priest. And what does Jesus say about the priest in response to this guy who had a need? Jesus said this priest actually passed by on the other side. He's like, sees a need here, and he crosses over to the other side of the road. He, he sees the need, but he doesn't see the need. And Jesus used the example of a priest. In our modern context, we might would say it would be like a pastor. It would be like somebody like me who's a pastor and would say, oh, there's somebody in great need, but I really, and just walk over to the other side of the road. Jesus said that's what the priest did. Jesus then talked about a second person that came along. And that is a Levite. That's like a religious leader. It's not the priest, but a Levite. We might would say, again, in our modern context, this is like a staff member of a church or a great church leader, somebody like that. And Jesus said in this account that he too completely ignores the desperation of this guy who's been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. Now we pick up in verse 33, and I want you to see these two verses right here, Luke 10 33 and 34. 
Jesus talks about the third person who walks by, but a Samaritan who was traveling that way, that same way the priest and Levite had been on, the same way came upon a man. And when he saw him, when he saw him, the others saw him, the priest and the Levite did, but when he saw him, the Samaritan, his heart was filled. Say that word out loud. His heart was filled with pity. He went over to him, did cross to the other side of the street, went over to him, poured oil and wine on his wounds and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own animal and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Priest sees other sides. Levite sees, does the same thing as a priest. But the Samaritan kicks into action. And this is what Jesus is inviting us to do. Now, let's just be honest with ourselves for just a moment. We probably need to do it all the time, right? How many times have you and I been more like the priest or the Levite than we were this compassionate Samaritan? It's painful to even think about because if you're like me, and oh boy, I have, I have not always done this well. A lot of times I have, thankfully, but a lot of times I've messed this up. There have been times when I needed to be more like the compassionate uh, Samaritan, but sad to say, maybe I was more like the priest or the Levite. Perhaps that has been true for you. Maybe you've even acquired a skill that I'm embarrassed to tell you that, I, that I've uh, have acquired uh, over time. And uh, again, I shake myself because I don't want to stay immersed in that. And, and God helps me not to. But there have been times, have you ever done something like this, when you, you had the skill to when you really saw something, but you didn't see it? You could see it plain as day, but you pretended that you did not see it. Because if you were to be uh, caught seeing it, uh, there'd be a greater obligation to find that need and to meet that need. I can remember this has uh, been a few years back. And again, sometimes I've got this really, really right, and sometimes, regrettably, I've got it wrong. Even in the times when I have gotten it right, there have been, you know, maybe I started out in a, in a wrong way. And I, I'll just give you one example. This time I got it right, but it wasn't headed that way. I was actually working on a message in my office. And I'd gone past the lunch hour, and I was getting more and more hungry. I really didn't have a lot of time to run out. But I'm like, here's what I'll do. I'll get in my car. I'll run out. I'll get a quick lunch. That'll sort of energize me. I'll come back and pick up, resume working on this message on compassion. So I'm leaving. I'm in a hurry. You're wanting, you know, to catch every red light green and get there quick, eat quick, get back quick so you can resume your work. And so that's sort of my mentality and I just get a little ways out of the church parking lot, and I see it's not a major accident. It's just a one-car little fender bender. Um, nobody's hurt. I can see that, but there's an older lady. She's out of the car, minor accident, one car, but she's walking around the car, and I can see that she seems to be disturbed by that, and again, I'm just thinking, I'm in such a hurry. I don't have time for this, I've got to eat and get back so I can work on my message on compassion. And, you know, even as I'm thinking that way, I'm like, Jeff, you can't do that. I had like, ugh, and I'd pass by, and I'm like, you know, I was just so in torment in my own soul. I'm like, I can't do that. And I turned my car around, and I went back. So I passed, and I quickly turned around because I knew that's what Jesus wanted me to do to help this lady in need, although she wasn't hurt. She was bothered. You could see it emotionally. 
So I got out of the car, walked up to her, checked on her. How is she? What can I do for her? And this is what she said. This is what she said. She looked at me and she said, Pastor Jeff, thank you for turning around to help me. I almost missed it. When I left, having made sure she was okay, she had said, thank you, Pastor Jeff. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Could you imagine had I kept driving somebody that knew, I think, went to the church and did just drive by because I had to hurry and get back to work on a message on compassion. You know, I've got it wrong a lot of times. Perhaps you have as well. I've I've got it right a lot of times. Hopefully, I've got it right a whole lot more than I've got it wrong. But as a disciple, a pupil, a student, a learner of Jesus, this is what he asks us to do, to live like he lived and to do what he did and to love the way that he loved. And that involves us as disciples. If we're his disciple and we are, if we're in Christ, we know who we are. And because we know who we are, we know what we ought to do. And what we ought to do is followers and disciples of Jesus, learners of Jesus, followers of Jesus, we find the need and we meet that need. You know, that's what he calls us to do. That's what he asks us to do. I love what Jesus said about this in Matthew chapter 10. I want you to see it right here on the screen. This is so good. And if you, eat, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. I want to just stop there for just a moment because we think when, you know, unless it's some big major thing that we're doing for somebody, why even bother? Jesus said we ought to be bothered by it. And if you give even a cup of cold water, something small to somebody that needs it, to one of the least of my followers, you're surely, surely going to be rewarded for that. And I love the implication of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, it's his promise to us that rewards are waiting for his followers who respond to even the smallest of needs. So don't have this idea, unless it's big, unless it's major, unless it's something so extreme, it's not even worth doing. Jesus said, even a cup of cold water is going to be rewarded. So what do Jesus' disciples do? They find the need and they meet that need. Here's a second idea surrounding this reality of being his disciples. I want you to be sure you get it. Maybe you write it down. That is, we're going to find a hurt and we're going to heal that hurt. We're going we're to find the need and meet it, but as his disciples, we're going to find a hurt and heal that. See, Jesus in his own life and ministry, if you've never studied the life of Jesus I just encourage you, uh, read the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Maybe you want to start with John. I know that seems sequentially out of order, but start with John. Go back and read Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. And when you read about the life and ministry of Jesus, he was doing all kinds of amazing things when he walked the earth. You're going to read stories about how that he opened blind eyes or reread stories if you've read it before. You're going to read stories about how people who could not walk, he caused the lame to walk, how he healed bodies, how he raised even the dead. Jesus did all these amazing things. And we read about him, and it excites us to know that the one that we follow, the one who is our Savior and leader and Lord, that he did, and he's doing all these things. But so often we forget that Jesus was continually healing those who had been hurt or bruised by somebody or by people or by circumstances in life. In fact, I want you to look at this verse. This is back in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages, 
He taught. We know that Jesus had a teaching ministry. He taught in their meeting places. He reported kingdom news, and he healed their diseased bodies. And look at this next part. And he healed their bruised and hurt lives. Jesus cared, and he still cares, about people that are hurting. And there's so many different examples of this in the Bible. I mean, you and I could just go right down the list. I'll mention three, like, really quickly. What about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, who was hated, everybody hated uh, Zacchaeus. It was just the way that he conducted business, and he didn't do that ethically. And uh, there was good reason that a lot of people were, were mad at him. But he was intrigued by Jesus. He had heard about Jesus, and he hears that Jesus is coming to the town where he's at. And he's a guy, you know, that is short in stature. Me, personally, I don't know anything about that, being six foot five. The way that I am, it's hard to tell that on camera. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm not. Well, he was short in stature, and he climbed up in the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. You probably sang that song before if you were a kid growing up in church in Sunday school. Well, here's the reality. He was hated, hated vehemently by people in the community because a lot of them had actually been ripped off by Zacchaeus. And Jesus spots him in the tree, and he says, hey, come down. I'm going to your house. And man, you just think so many people are upset and angry with Jesus. Don't they know the kind of person? Why would Jesus go to his house? Well, as you know, you read the story of Zacchaeus, you know that he has a transformational moment. He has a power encounter with Jesus that will forever change his life. But Jesus knew that he was hurting because Zacchaeus, he was, not, he was self-aware, I believe. He knew that there was a lot of people that didn't like him. What about the woman caught in adultery? Can you imagine the shame and regret and remorse? She's, you know, it's unthinkable how that she's drugged and there's all these people standing around and everybody's being judgmental and everybody's pretending that they're something important and here she is. You know, I've always wondered in the story, where's the man? Because it, she was said she was caught in adultery. But we just read of this woman and they drag this woman to Jesus. And again, humiliation and shame, embarrassment, all of that. And they're standing around. They, they're testing Jesus. They want to be stoned to death. Well, Jesus reached out to her, and Jesus doesn't ignore what had happened, but Jesus um, just said, hey, you know, where are your accusers? Because Jesus said something like this. He said, you who are without sin, you be the first one to throw a stone. If you're so great, so perfect, so wonderful, your life is spotless, then you be the first one. And they all dropped their stones and walked away, and Jesus looked at her because Jesus felt for her. He saw a hurt that she had in her life, and Jesus wanted to heal that hurt. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What about the lady and all the anger that was leveled against the lady who came to Jesus? And Jesus is reclining, getting ready. He's hanging out with some of his friends. And she comes over to where Jesus is at. And she takes a very costly uh, container of perfume. And she pours it over Jesus' feet to anoint him, actually, for his burial that was to come. But yet so many people got mad and they're angry and they're letting it be known. Couldn't this money be sold? You know, this perfume be sold and the money given to the poor. And Jesus knew what was actually in their hearts and he spoke to it but his heart went out to this lady because right there on the spot she's being ridiculed she's being criticized and Jesus always he always went about I love this verse in the Bible that says Jesus went about doing good and happy to tell you that Jesus is still doing that today Jesus is still going about and doing good if you happen to be hurting in your own life these days, and maybe you are, I want you to be fully aware that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. Maybe right now you're a person, you're watching this right now, and you're just saying, you know what, Jeff, I am so lonely. I'm just lonely. Can I tell you Jesus knows about it? 
maybe you feel guilty. Maybe you feel like you're rejected because somebody's walked away from you. Maybe you've been ridiculed, much like this lady who poured this expensive perfume over the feet of Jesus. Maybe you feel helpless. Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel fear in your life. Maybe you're going through a time of grief. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're depressed. And you're wondering, does Jesus know? And I'm happy to tell you right here and right now, if you're hurting, if you've got a hurt in your life, Jesus knows about it and he cares about it and he loves you and he's able to heal that. And as his disciples, what do we do? As a follower of Jesus, a disciple, then we ask God to show us our hurt and we heal that hurt. And you know what? If we're serious with Jesus, if we just say, here, Jesus, is what I want you to do. Help me to see hurts around me and to heal those hurts. It will not take you very long because continually and in close proximity to you, people are hurting all the time. Writer by the name of Shane Wheeler has actually written this. You can befriend your neighbor who's just been diagnosed with cancer. You can listen to your coworker who is going through a divorce or, and I thought this was humorous, or you can patiently love your teenager and hope for his or her eventual return to the human race. There's hurts and you and I can find a hurt and we can heal that. And those are just the tip of the iceberg because we're constantly around people who are hurting. And when you know who you are, you will do what you ought to do. When you know you're a disciple, you will do what a disciple does. You will find a need and you will meet it. You will find a hurt and you will heal that. Who are you? You are a disciple. And what does a disciple do? A disciple lives the way that Jesus lived and loves the way that Jesus loved and does the things that Jesus did. And Jesus actually addresses this in John chapter 13. In fact, it's posed in a question. Jesus said, how will everybody recognize that you're my disciples? Because that's what I've invited you to. Remember where we started? Came along, Matthew's in his tax collector's booth. And he said, Matthew, follow me. And I want you to become my disciple, my pupil, my student, my learner. And then Jesus later asked a question. Well, how's everybody going to know? How's the people where you're at? Where's the people around your neighborhood, where you work, in your family, your friends? How are they really going to know the places where you go? How are they really going to know you're my disciple? Jesus said, is it going to be because you believe the right things? That's all there is to it. Believe the right things. That's all it means to be a disciple. Is that all it means? Absolutely not. Well, this is what it means to be a disciple. How about if I've just got a handy set of rules and I'm always like a great rule keeper? That's all there is to it. You know, my heart remains as my heart has been, but I'm just going to force myself to keep the rules. Is that what it means to be a disciple? No. Oh, I know what it means to be a disciple. You know, people are going to know that I'm a disciple. Remember the question Jesus asked? How's everybody going to know you're my disciple? And you say, well, here's how I'm going to let them know. My music, my bumper stickers, my t-shirts, all the world will know that I'm his disciple because of that. Nope, this is what Jesus said. This is from Jesus. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. This is how they're going to know. This is going to speak loudly when they see the love that you have for each other. That's how they're going to know. Please listen, friends. As we get ready to wrap this up, when you live and you do and you love like Jesus did, you're going to make a difference in the world. The powerful effect of this, you won't be able to stop it. The powerful effect of that is going to spill out. It's going to spill out onto your friends. They're going to see it. 
Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciple because they see the way that you love. And your friends will see it. And your family will see it. And your neighbors will see it. The people where you go to school and the place where you work, they'll see it. At the gym that you go to, if you go to the gym, in the businesses that you frequent, in the restaurants that you eat at, even strangers that you come in contact with, and people that are far from God, how would they know that you and I are his disciples? Because we love. We love like Jesus loved. We live like Jesus lived. We do what Jesus did. We find a need and we meet it. We find a hurt and we heal that. So I invite you to sincerely pray. Maybe as you have never prayed, if you're already a follower of Jesus, and just say, Jesus, this is what I'm asking you to do. I want you to open my eyes. Help me to see. And help me even when I see, not to pretend that I don't see. Help me to really, really see. Open my eyes. Let me see herds. Let me see needs like I've never seen before. They're all around us. Open my eyes. Jesus, open my heart. We're going to talk about heart next week. I already mentioned that. Please don't miss, miss that. Help me to open my heart. Help me to be a more compassionate. Help me to be a more caring. Help me to be a more generous person. God, open my heart. I don't want to have a stony heart. I don't want to have a cold heart. Jesus, open my eyes. Jesus, open my heart. Jesus, open my ears. Because when I see needs and you open in my heart, you're going to tell me what I need to do. In fact, one last verse. I want you to see this on the screen. I love this verse. John 10, 27. It too in the Gospels. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. And those who follow Jesus, those who live like he lived and do what he did and love like he loves, they will hear his voice and they will follow. They will. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple, will you, like never before, from this point forward, again, sometimes we've got it so right, sometimes we've missed opportunities, but would you take upon yourself, as I'm doing today, a new challenge, as never before, to look for needs and to meet those needs, to find a hurt and to heal that hurt? And if you're not yet a student, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you're not yet a disciple, why would you not right here, right now, make a decision to become his follower? Jesus invites you. He doesn't just say, here's a list of rules and regulations. Just, you know, keep your same old persona in heart. And you just adhere to this. He doesn't say that. Just believe the right. No, it's important to believe the right things and do the right things. We don't want to disregard that. But Jesus said, follow me. Learn my ways follow me. In fact, he said this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My burden is easy. And it's so much easier in life with Jesus than to try to go. And you will follow somebody. You will. Or you will follow something. You'll follow the influence of somebody, the thinking of somebody. Why not choose to follow the one who came into this world to die on a cross from you and somebody that God raised from the dead. Listen, if God raises somebody from the dead, trust me, that's the person you want to listen to. That's the person you want to follow. And maybe you'll do that today. Would you pray with me? And Jesus, for those of us that are already your disciples, help us to love and to live and to do what a disciple does. Help us to find needs and God to meet those needs. Help us to find hurts and heal those hurts. 
And I pray for my friends that are watching today, God, they're not yet a disciple, they're not yet a follower, that today they will just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm following something already. They're already following something. Why would I not follow you, the one who died on the cross for my sins? Why would I not follow you, the one who rose from the dead, the only one who ever has or ever will? Jesus, I give my life to you. I want to be your student. I want to be your follower. I want to live the way you lived and do what you did. Love like you. God, you can change me. You can transform my life by your spirit and by your power. And I ask you to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you let me know? You let us know right there where you're at. You can click on the screen. Some of you have that option. You can just click on that screen right now and just let us know that you prayed that prayer. That would mean the world to us. You can email us. Let us know. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for being with us again today. I look forward to seeing you next week.